0: The 1992 Los Angeles Uprising, the Cambodian Genocide, Japanese American Incarceration. What you know isn't always the full story. Our new podcast, Inheriting, about Asian American and Pacific Islander families where the past is
1: personal. Korean Americans, we call it Sa Did you ever realize when you were a
0: child that you became an orphan? Camp
1: was such a hard time. How do you think you got through it?
0: Listen to Inheriting from LA Studios and the NPR Network wherever you get your podcasts. Etsuko Ichikawa is famous for her glass pyrograph drawings. They hang in museums and on the walls of collectors all over the country. The inspiration for these drawings came out of a happy accident, a moment when Etsuko noticed how molten glass scorched a concrete floor and left its mark as she was rushing back and forth across the studio with gathered glass.
1: That happens all the time in the studio. You drip, hot bit glass when you blow glass, or you also intentionally drip glass to get rid of excess amount of glass, but never really registered to me that way. She realized this could be used as a technique for making drawings. In that moment, I was like, wow, I have to do something (laughs) about this. For years, Etsuko has made minimalist
0: sketches on paper, drawn with dripped glass, She handles a three-foot-long blowpipe with molten glowing glass gathered on its tip, while she circumambulates the perimeter of a sheet of French-milled cotton paper
1: placed on her studio floor. So I tried paper, uh, plaster, wood, or even on grass or dirt. But at the end, paper was the best material. She dances the blowpipe
0: over and across the page, dripping molten glass that scorches the fiber, leaving behind brown burn marks which resemble tendrils of smoke. It's these pyrographic drawings which are her signature in the way that Jackson Pollock's modernist drip paintings made him a household name. Etsuko could have just made pyrographs for the rest of her art-making career and done quite well, but instead, she was given a gift that changed her life and practice forever. This is The Blue Suit, a podcast about the commonplace things that touch our lives and the uncommon people that transform them into something remarkable. I'm Xinyi Pai, today vitrified glass. Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A, but on Wildcard we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR.
1: This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give, and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks!
0: Glass artist Etsuko Ichikawa made her home here in Seattle for nearly three decades. It's where she was on March 11, 2011— watching the Tohoku earthquake and disaster unfold on television from her home in North Seattle. Waves as high as 133 feet tall battered her native country, flooding coastal communities and forcing evacuations. An unprecedented number of buildings and homes were destroyed, alongside roads, bridges, railways, and airports.
1: I was just visually so shocked when I saw something unbelievable on the TV screen and it took me a while to realize it wasn't a movie. A 9.0
0: magnitude earthquake emerged from the ocean floor off the coast of Japan. The force caused a tsunami to form, hitting the coast and taking the lives of more than 18,000 people. The Fukushima nuclear power plant was badly damaged and with power gone its cooling systems failed. As a result, partial nuclear meltdown occurred, leading to the release of harmful levels of radiation into the natural and human environment. From a distance, Etsuko watched in disbelief.
1: I was kind of like, like wiped out my thought. I couldn't comprehend what I was seeing. Then of course, the next thing I did was calling my parents. And by the time I called, all the telephone lines were down, so I couldn't reach my parents. I think it took me probably like 10 days to actually talk to my parents. That must have been really hard, not knowing. It was just, uh, I was freaked out. I, I just totally freaked out.
0: As a Japanese person, Etsuka grew up with some awareness of nuclear legacies and their impact on her native country. In her childhood, she learned about the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but she never visited Hiroshima or its Memorial Peace Park until she was an adult. The park itself is built around buildings that survived the atomic blast. They are preserved in a state of arrested decay as a reminder of the destructive effects of nuclear war. On that trip to view the memorial, Etsuko was the only Japanese person in her delegation. She accompanied a group of American artists to the site and served as their interpreter.
1: Nobody could talk because it was just a shocking experience going through the museum. It's visually really overwhelming of the artifacts and the photos and actual piece of um, staircases has the shadow or imprint of people who got burned by bombing. It's just a shape of shadow of a person's shape.
0: While translating information for her group, Etsuko also had to contend with processing her own feelings about the horrors of Hiroshima laid bare. The dropping of the atomic bomb by the US Air Force decimated Hiroshima. The bomb burned nearly 70% of all structures and caused an estimated 140,000 deaths by the end of 1945. Its lingering damages included increased rates of cancer and chronic illness among survivors.
1: So that was very shocking, but it wasn't as direct as I felt through Fukushima disaster.
0: After Fukushima, Etsuko felt a responsibility to act. She deeply understood that the radiation leakage caused by Fukushima had an immeasurable impact on the Japanese people's health and their environment and that these impacts would continue to affect generations to come.
1: The first reaction was that, oh my God, I gotta do something to help them, those people who are affected by the disaster. She organized her community of artists and friends
0: to raise financial support for the victims and survivors of the nuclear disaster. Together, they raised a significant sum of money over two days and donated it all towards relief efforts aimed towards helping the victims.
1: So that was like a huge entryway, like amazing way for me to be involved in the community work.
0: Etsuko started to think about the ways in which calling attention to nuclear impacts could become a part of her artwork. And that began to express itself in her community organizing work. She made and distributed plantable handmade papers embedded with sunflower seeds. Sunflowers are hyper accumulators plants that absorb high concentrations of toxic materials into their tissues. In fact, fields of sunflowers were planted at Fukushima and Hiroshima. As Etsuko dive more deeply into Japan's relationship to nuclear technology and power, she realized how vulnerable her homeland is. Japan currently has 33 nuclear energy-producing plants, and scattered through the Japanese archipelago are a chain of active volcanoes. Nuclear science is controversial. Nuclear power is considered to be a positive replacement for the carbon-emitting energy of coal and gas. But the same technology requires toxic chemicals that can be released into the environment by accident, or deliberate sabotage. A few years ago, Etsuko got the chance to visit Hanford, Hanford is a decommissioned nuclear site in Washington, near the Columbia River. It's at Hanford where the technology and the weapons-grade plutonium used in the bomb dropped on Nagasaki were developed. The bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were so devastating that they haven't been used in war since. Just like at Hiroshima, Etsuko was the only Japanese person in her tour group again.
1: I'm pretty sure in a group of 20 or so, I was the only Asian and I was the only Japanese. And the tour guide noticed that I'm most likely Japanese. But I was just being very, how can I say, not biased. And I wanted to see the fact and I wanted to see the facility. But at the end, I think the conclusion was that the bombing wasn't the wrong thing to do. Because that ended the World War II. It was one of those awkward experiences as Japanese living in the U.S. It's a
0: challenging question, but I'm really curious about how it made you feel when that narrative was put out there. I mean, to think about what is truth in that moment,
1: was it true for you? You know, there are multiple truths, I would say. The truth to Americans, truth to Japanese truth to somebody looking at the event from far away. Um, so there are facts, but emotional truths could be different. So it's sort of like I am at the point where I understand both. I was probably ner- you know naive about this kind of um, how you see things as Japanese being in U.S. So I started making these connections at the personal level.
0: That connection was sealed when Etsuko received a gift from a scientist who gave her a tour of the vitrification plant at Hanford. After showing her the technology used in the vitrification process, he pulled out a present for her.
1: And then he's like, oh, you! I know you do glass art, so I have a gift for you to take home. And he brought me two small pieces of vitrified glass.
0: Vitrification is a transformation of material into glass. In this case, the toxic radioactive waste from Hanford is turned into glass so it can be buried deep in the earth in trenches. The pieces of material that Etsuko was given were leftover pieces from the furnaces used to melt down lead, sand, and lime with toxic nuclear waste to stabilize the material.
1: It looked like natural, like lava or gem. And it was beautiful. It was shiny, sharp edge, and felt like somebody just cracked the black glass color in the glass studio. And I was like, yeah, I'm familiar with this thing. And knowing that what it was really kind of made me want to know more about this material. And I felt like glass is like a miracle, you know, materials to make these toxic things to be safe.
0: She thought about the things that we leave behind, buried in the earth and left to the environment for future generations. The vitrified glass fragments spoke to Etsuko about how she could bring together her love for glass with her commitment to activism.
1: That was one of those maybe top 10 moments in my life, I would say. So those vitrified broken glass pieces definitely kind of opened up the door um, to think about, yeah, I can definitely put together glass and nuclear issues together because here it is. (laughs) Took me a while to figure out how to. As
0: her ideas coalesced, Etsuko began to reimagine her glasswork and the materials that she could use to create. She researched uranium glass, which has a milky, dull yellow color that glows brightly under UV lights. So where do you buy uranium glass? Online, of course. Etsuko found suppliers in New Zealand and the Czech Republic, vendors that sell uranium glass in many forms to glass artists, and she was able to incorporate those materials into her work.
1: Many, many uranium bars, glass bars, um, those frits we call, and also even powder, which is very toxic. Um, they are available for anybody to buy. But interesting thing about this one in New Zealand, they would give you a, a PDF of a certificate from Department of Radiation Laboratory. It's like a national department in New Zealand. So you have a letter saying that this is safe to use, uranium glass.
0: And if there's any lingering question about radioactivity, Etsuko owns a Geiger counter, two in fact. Etsuko created a new series of glass objects using uranium in a project that she called Broken Poems of Fireflies. Like her pyrographic drawings, which capture the movement of fire and smoke, this series of glass orbs swirl with light and color to enliven the glass
1: fireflies were and have been my one of my favorite things to see over the rice field in Japan. and then the moon would have reflection on the rice field because it's water and all those beautiful things that is deeply like rooted in me as Japanese and my childhood memories.
0: Hot sculpted clear spheres are streaked with blue glass. The orbs are sculptural objects
1: as well as poems. To me, it's symbolic that it's Earth and atmosphere around Earth and in the ocean.
0: The uranium spheres light up neon green when viewed over a UV light. Etsuko constructed a special table and viewing platform embedded with pulsing UV lights to highlight the beauty
1: of the glass. It looks really pretty and beautiful and kind of like breathing, like uh, fireflies goes, you know, on and off, like dimming up and down, sort of like a rhythm of breathing, inhale and exhale.
0: Poems of broken fireflies invite a viewer to move beyond mental images of mushroom clouds, and images of nuclear conflict that provoke fear.
1: I want each person to think, really think what it is to you and what what it is to people or to the earth or to future generations. Those are the questions that I want each person to ask. For many years, Etsuko carried the vitrified glass fragment given to
0: her at Hanford in her pocket. She'd pull it out and show people It almost felt like a calling card, a new signature. This crystalline charm that held both beauty and darkness propelled Etsuko's work into a new direction. She couldn't be complacent and continue making the thing that she had always made. She was forever changed by this unexpected gift, a present that fit perfectly in the palm of her hand.
1: I just... drawn to it. I felt like... This is like a little key to open a new door for me to create something new. I think I realized that I'm an activist. And that was the trigger. That piece was a trigger that opened up the door for me to know who I am.
0: Check out our show notes to see video and images of Etsuko's work. Next week's object is a 1974 Dakin Drooper dog. Do you have a special object that you hold close? Share it with us on Instagram. Tag at K-O-W and use the hashtag BlueSuitPod. The Blue Suit is produced by K-O-W in Seattle. Our host, writer, and creator is me, Shin-Yi Pai. Whitney Henry Lester produced this episode. Jim Gates is our editor. Tomo Nakayama wrote our theme music. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti, Tio Popescu, Hans Twite, Melissa Takai, and Brendan Sweeney. Special thanks to the Windrose Fund for their financial support. If you like this podcast, KUW has a lot more great audio for you. Search KEOW in your podcast app and see what piques your interest. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go there's a host, a guest, and a light QA.